You know that one friend who reads 100 books a year while you've been stuck on the last 20 pages of that linchpin book your coworkers won't stop talking about? Well, we'll let you in on a little secret. They're probably using short form, the world's best destination for nonfiction book summaries. From atomic habits to the subtle art of not giving a fuck, you can browse thousands of best-selling titles in topics like entrepreneurship, finance, career, self-improvement, and more. Thanks to their in-depth guides, you'll understand the book even better than reading it word for word on your own. Get a five-day free trial and 20% off the annual subscription at shortform.com slash girlboss. That's shortform.com slash girlboss. Happy browsing. Hello, and welcome back to Girlboss Radio. I'm your host, Avery. I'm the founder of Bloom, a workplace design consultancy, and a firm believer that work should work for all of us. Today, I'm joined by Matilda Durr, the woman all over your Pinterest board. She grew up in a small town, even worked as a fishmonger, and now Matilda is one of the most relevant in-demand fashion creators working today. And her brand, Durr Avenue, is the real deal. Today, I chat with Matilda about dreaming big, working with her partner, and how being in charge keeps her motivated at work. Let's get into it. Matilda, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. Thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing your career journey with all of us today. Uh, how's your day been? Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, my day's been good. I know it's early morning where you are, but it's like midday for me. So I've been awake for a couple of hours. Yeah, I was just telling Matilda that I do not function at 7am. So I don't know if you're listening. If you're a morning person, honestly, Godspeed and all the power to you. But if you're like me, and not much of a morning person, I feel you. But yeah, Matilda has been really gracious in like navigating my chaos this morning. I woke up to a winter wonderland and you're saying it's like super cold where you are in Sweden. No snow yet though, which is sad. I'm hoping it comes. So I have to ask you like what I think is one of the more obvious questions is, what does it feel like to be on every woman's Pinterest board? Is this weird for you or? Overwhelming, um, <laughs> but also very, very, I'm so flattered. Yeah. It's like weird in a really good way. And I'm yeah. curious, like, how does it feel to like, cause I feel like you're just like casually fabulous and elegant and stylish. Is there like a lot of strategy behind your styles or is this just purely just, just you? I think it's purely just me. I don't know. I feel like I have so much going on all the time. So I just try to make it as simple as I can. My routine needs to be as short as possible. I mean, getting dressed every day is not easy though, because I'm a very, very indecisive person. So I still struggle with that. But I just try to be myself all the time, which is, you know, in a world like this can be difficult sometimes, but I do my best. What does it feel like to be the person that's like driving a lot of these trends that are coming up? I mean, I think it's cool to be a part of it, to be a part of the trend setting. I mean, there's so many cool people who, you know, are a big part of it. And I think it's cool that even I can be the tiniest part of it as well. But, you know, sometimes people get a little angry when I started wearing my ballerina flats. <laughs> um, chaos on my TikTok and in my Instagram DMs. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But yeah, I mean, it's fun. I just try to stick to my own style as much as possible while also trying to, you know, invest in really timeless pieces rather than just, you know, trends, trends. If I'm setting trends that are timeless, I'm very, very happy about that. If I ever set a trend that's not timeless, that's when I'm in trouble and somebody needs to tell me. So I'm curious, who are some of your style and like fashion inspos? 
I should have a good answer for this because I always get this question, <laughs> but I'm always just like my mom. But I've said this the last like five times. So I'm like, I need to find a new person. But also like, I'm one of those people. I love being on Pinterest. I love scrolling on Instagram, especially with my clothing brand, Jerf Avenue. I love looking at our tagged photos to see how like our customers style our items. That gives me a lot of inspiration. But then I'm also like, sometimes I'll walk by a flower store and I'm like, whoa, this flower inspired me. It comes from a little bit of everywhere. That's so cool that you get inspiration from folks that are actually engaging with your brand and buying your clothing. I think that that's so interesting. It's so cool. It's like, you know, when I design something, I see my ways of styling it. And then when I see it on a customer and they style it in a completely new way or in a way that I've never, ever thought of, that is the best feeling. It's so fun. So it, yeah, it definitely inspires me. I sometimes tag photos of things that I buy and purchase, but I never thought the person that designs it might actually take inspiration from me. So that's cool. Well, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for anyone that's buying from Dirt Avenue, actually style an outfit and tag it. So Matilda can get inspiration. Exactly. (laughs) Honestly, inspire me. I need it, especially like these coming months when it's really dark in Sweden. So any inspiration I can get, I love. Amazing. So I want to just kind of dive in to your career background. I think that people listening right now might be thinking, oh my goodness, like she has a dream job, but you didn't really start there. I'm curious, what was your first job? I've done a couple of different things. I worked at a juice bar. I worked as a waitress. I worked as a cleaner at a, like a mini hotel kind of hostel thing. Worked at a clothing store, like a fulfillment center worked in a fish store. Yeah. I <laughs> I read that you were a fishmonger once yes. and I was like, that is wild. What was that job like? Cold, really, really cold. <laughs> um, really lonely. Not many people in my hometown purchased fish. So I would just stand there the entire day. And then also a little cruel sometimes. Sometimes you had like a customer would come and they would ask you to like I don't know what the American term is, but in Sweden, it's called like, you like pant a cod. So like the fish, the codfish, like you like slice it in a way that it looks like it has pants. Oh. It's weird, but I didn't know how to do it. And the customer's like, well, you need to do it. And I'm like, I don't know how. So eventually like I had to call my boss, do it over the phone. I had the biggest panic attack. It was awful, but we had good moments in the fish store. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I need to look this up. So basically people would cook the fish then and it would look like it has like a pair of a pair <laughs> of trousers on. Well, it would have like little legs. I don't know. If somebody's really into fish, don't quote me on this because I'm probably, this is probably not correct. But in Sweden, you would call it like Biksatorsken. Yeah, okay. Which is like pan the cod. Okay. Weird. Okay. I'm going to look into this. Next time I go to my local fishmonger, I'm going to ask them to do this and see what they say. <laughs> I There's a fish, a local fish shop at my um, place in Iceland. And yeah, I feel like that will be the best place for me to give it a go and see what happens. And I'll, I'll DM you if it's, if it's successful for me. I'm kind of curious because you've essentially crafted the dream job for a lot of people out there. What did you dream of being when you grew up? I come from a small town. There's not an endless amount of like possibilities there. And I think in one weird way, like I never really dreamed big, which is strange for me today to look back and like realize that I did, I think, dream about like being my own boss because I was never happy having people over me tell me what to do because I'm a very like 
strong-headed person. I have really strong opinions, but I've always loved fashion. I've always loved photography. So like I've had interests and I've had passions, but I don't think I ever thought that it would be my job. Interesting. So when you say you didn't dream big, when did that start happening for you? To this day, I'm like not good at dreaming big, which is also strange. My boyfriend, who's my business partner, he's the CEO of Jerf Avenue. He always dreams so big and has these like, well, he has really big dreams. I have really big visions, but sometimes I'm like, can this actually come true? But I'm like trying to get better at that. I'm trying to get better at dreaming really, really big. But I think I started really like realizing that things could happen after high school when I started traveling and I kind of got away from my small city, from my small little town. Yeah. Traveling acts as such an amazing teacher, right? Because I think that it takes you away from your daily routines and even some cases, people that are around you, or I just think sometimes even away from yourself. So you do start to have bigger visions and better understanding of like how big the world can be. Really interesting. Yeah. I think it's when this is me always trying to figure out my age, but 2006 to 2008, that's when I lived in California for two years. Coming back from California to my hometown, that's when I realized, I think it was like 12 or 11 when I moved back, but that's when I realized like, oh, there's a world outside of Sweden. For folks that are listening, I've been getting a lot of compliments on the podcast thus far and the conversations we've been having, but some people don't know this, but we actually do pre-calls with everyone just to ensure there's alignment there. And so I can get to know you because I really want people to feel like they're like listening into a phone call, which is kind of what this is, but to build that rapport. But when we talked last time, you had mentioned that for you, you really kind of realize that you could do this thing when you sort of working with other brands and having those conversations and being in those meetings. I'd love for you to kind of take us all along that journey of that realization that you had when you're like, damn, I could do this. I mean, I started with Instagram. I started posting photos there. Me and my boyfriend Rasmus, again, we were working together back then as well. He did a lot of like the campaign shoots that I would be the model for, for like different Swedish brands and different Australian brands. And then I did these design collaborations. And there's this one specific collaboration that I did with a Swedish brand. And I remember being in that room and just feeling like, I'm coming into this room with so much information, so much knowledge, so much passion as well. And like, a completely different mindset than the people who were in the room. And that's kind of when I felt like, why am I giving so much away to a company that I'm not a big part of? I'm just doing this tiny little collaboration. Maybe this is something me and Rasmus should do together and start a company the right way, which is our way of doing it, like the right way for us. And also I did a lot of modeling jobs and I would just see how awful in lack of better words, awful the industry was. And I really wanted to create a space for models and customers to be our models that felt safe and inspiring. So I think all of these little things that I kind of was a part of um, before I started Jerf Avenue just fueled me to start Jerf Avenue and do something better and bigger than what these brands, how they were doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, for me, I started my own business as a result of like a few not so great workplace experiences where I was like, I cannot go into a workplace again. Like I can't risk it for my mental health and for my well-being. So I'm going to just try to do this thing on my own. So I think that we, you know, sometimes a lot of women in particular have those experiences where they're like, they have this big realization that 
they can go out and build something better. And I mean, unfortunately, the world of work wasn't really structured for women and girls to thrive in. So we're kind of like building a new playbook. And I think that that's what I love most about what we're doing here at Girl Boss is we're exploring these conversations with women that are carving their own path and building something better and new for the future of work, which we're talking about work beyond obviously your fashion brand and you as an influencer and a creator and a, and a designer. So yeah, no, I think that it totally resonates with me. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening right now that are like thinking about their toxic boss or thinking about um, dreading going to work, or maybe they're listening to this right now and they're at work thinking, I need to get the hell out of here someday. <laughs> I think that is a really inspiring thing that you had this gut feeling and you chased it. So I'm curious, what encouraged you to take that realization of I could be doing this, I could be building something better. I want to build something that's uh, safer and more welcoming and inclusive of people like me. What pushed you to actually act on that? I think kind of like you, you already kind of answered. I think it was just my gut feeling. At the end of the day, I was like, well, I could either settle, stay at this juice bar and work here and then do like Instagram collaborations. I mean, I loved it and it gave me the possibility to start your Avenue, but I kind of also knew that I don't think I want to do this like influencer modeling thing forever because I felt like my creativity wasn't getting enough of space. Like me as a business person, I just kind of felt like there wasn't enough space for me to be the woman that I am today when I just did like the Instagram collaborations and the branded partnerships and stuff. So I think it was just one day I just felt like I might as well try. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if I don't try it, I'm going to regret it. And I tried it and it worked. And it sounds so easy, but obviously there's a lot of work behind it. It's cliche, but like life is too short to just settle and not do what you're passionate about and what makes you feel good and what makes you feel happy. Who was in your corner that was rooting for you? I mean, again, Rasmus, who I started the business with. I'm so lucky to have him. He's just the best. He's my best friend. Um, he's the best business partner. He's always encouraged me and he's always really made sure that, you know, Matilda, you need to be in spaces where you feel good because that has been really important for me. So he's been my biggest fan for, I mean, we've been together for eight years now, which is a long time. <laughs> no engagement ring yet. <laughs> um, but Okay. You've heard it here first. This is, I'm sure you've said this many times. So <laughs> no, um, I'm not stressed. That's a joke. Um, but, and then my parents have always been really supportive. My dad has always been so supportive. My mom is a little bit, she's always been so supportive, but she's a little more afraid. So I think that she was a little bit like Matilda, is this really a good idea? Like, have you thought this through? Which is like, I need that as well. I'm so lucky to have the family that I do. I mean, I think my family has always been there and supported me. Cause like you said, the people you're surrounded by really do like make it or break it. And being from a small town, for example, when I started my Instagram thing, people made fun of me. People would mock my photos, post the same ones. A couple of girls, you know, created their private Instagram profile and just made fun of me. So I think that I just knew that like, I want to get away from this place. And this is also one way to get away from it. Yeah, it's sad that I think that sometimes when people see that other individuals are on the precipice or on the path towards building something new, right? Going a place where a lot of folks haven't necessarily ventured to, they'll try to claw them back and hold them back. And I experienced that. Well, I wasn't intentional with my own Instagram following and I don't have nearly as many followers as you do, but I'm like an accidental influencer, like overnight after a couple of celebrities started following me and reshared a few posts that I made, like it's just like 
thousands of people followed me. And with that, I definitely encountered a lot of like backlash from like people that I knew, which I thought was so surprising. Right. Um, it's a, it's a shame, but I, going back to your relationship, I think it's great that you have a partner that is rooting for you. And we actually had a guest on this show. Her name is Joanna and Griffiths, and she's the founder and CEO of Nix. Small tidbit for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, you should, but she just led the biggest exit in Canadian Ooh. history by a woman. Love that. Yeah. Huge, huge. So we were just celebrating in Miami this past weekend. I can't, I can't say much about what happened this past weekend. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We had a great conversation. You know, I'm single at the moment and we were talking about relationships and she was saying that like the number one thing that you can do for your career is to pick a partner that backs you up. And I've never heard anyone frame it that way when you think about relationships, but it sounds like that's what you have with your partner. And I think that that is such a magical thing to come across. So for folks listening, there's a theme here. A lot of the most successful women that I personally know are partnered with people that fully support them and back them up, right? I think it's so important, you know, you want your partner to encourage you and be excited for you and to celebrate with you and not be, you know, jealous or judgmental. Um, and I think for me, like I'm his biggest fan, he's my biggest fan, and we've grown this together and we've done it together from the start, which I think has been really, really important as well. So I'm just, I'm really, really, really lucky. And he also like lets me take the space that I do. Like we complement each other very well, which is very nice. Victoria here, Girlboss the Senior Writer, interrupting our regularly scheduled programming to tell you about our newsletter, Girlboss Daily, aka the one email you'll actually look forward to receiving. Every morning, you'll get A-plus career advice, dream job postings, free coffee every Monday, and a few emojis, because we're fun like that, all delivered right to your inbox. Join over 250,000 ambitious women and sign up at girlboss.com newsletter. That's girlboss.com slash newsletter. Welcome back to my chat with Matilda. Next up, we're chatting about success, comparison, and trusting yourself. Let's get back into it. I wasn't planning on asking you this question, but it's been on the tip of my tongue. What is the best part of building the business with him? And I'm curious, what's the worst part at times of building with a partner? There are so many good parts about it. Like we usually say that, you know, we have this goal and we're working towards it together and we're building something together, which is a really cool feeling, like building something together. Not every couple gets to do that. So I think that's the best part. The worst part is probably that we're not good at not talking about our jobs. We really try and we've had periods where we've been like, okay, but if somebody talks about our job, like you have to pay the other person like $10 or something. And we were like, or even more. So you never do it, but it happens all the time. Um, We're trying to get better at that. So we really have more of like a private life. We had this period this year where we had a lot going on and eventually we were both like, this is not working. Like we need to have a private relationship as well. We can't just always be working and working and working. Like even if we need to, like this is going to affect our relationship, which we didn't want that. So that was kind of like a wake up call. So we're trying to, when we leave the office, we talk about job when we walk home, but then when we get to our apartment, we try to not talk about our job. I've never actually worked with someone that I've been in a relationship with, but I know a lot of people that are like co-founding businesses together. Like I think about my friend Erin and her partner, Kevin, that have built Willful. I know that Joanna's husband works with her at Nix. Like 
there's loads of people that I know that are kind of like building together, which I think is so cool. And there's not enough conversations happening about it. So yeah, I had this in the back of my mind. It's like, I want to ask and I'm glad that I did. (laughs) And I think also like to be completely transparent, I think if I had a partner who had like a nine to five job, it wouldn't work. Like it's really amazing that me and Rasmus, we respect each other. We respect that sometimes you do have to take a call during dinner because it's that important. And that doesn't mean that the dinner isn't important or special. It just means that sometimes you have to prioritize in a way that you probably, you don't really want to, but you have to. So I think that it really does make it easier that we're doing this together. I think otherwise it would probably be very difficult. What advice do you have for women and girls that have big career aspirations? I know that you said that you didn't necessarily dream big, but you did want to start your own business one day. You wanted to be your own boss. What advice do you have for the women that are listening right now? They're like, I want that. I feel that. But I'm at my customer service job right now and I feel super stuck. Well, I think the first thing is like you have to want it a lot because it is a lot of work. I think that, you know, people romanticize being your own boss and being an entrepreneur and starting your own business. There's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears and long nights. And if you're not up for it, it's unfortunately not going to work. You have to put in the work to get it to work. And then I also think it's really important to stay true to yourself and listen to your gut because you will be in rooms where people think they know better. You're talking about your business idea, what you want to do, and people will give you opinions on what they think, but you know what you want to do and stick to that. I think that's really, really important because there will always be people, especially older men who will try to say, oh, I know better, but they don't like, you know, your brand, you know, your vision to the core. So like really, really hold on to that. I was definitely in that place once where I was dreaming big and had big career aspirations, but I was stuck in my job. But I do think that like, you do have to put in the work. It's unfortunately something that just doesn't happen. Sometimes I think back to like where I was when I first started my career to like where I am now. And it's like, I know that all the things that I did that I really didn't want to do are what helped me to get to where I am today. It it just, it simply doesn't just happen. What keeps you motivated? I mean, being my own boss keeps me really motivated. I love being my own boss. I love being able to build this. I love being in charge. I truly love that. I love being able to, you know, see the team that I've built and see how amazing they are and, you know, see everything that we can do for them and with them. And that really motivates me, like coming into the office and just seeing everybody that just gets me going. And also like seeing the customers, seeing you know, how we reach out to people, all of the lovely messages we get, that keeps me motivated. It keeps me also wanting to do better and be better all the time. For me, I always think that what motivates me is I don't want it to end. Even though it's hard, it does feel like a dream at times. And I love how you said that you like to be in charge. I don't think enough women say that. Yeah. I really don't. That's probably true. No, it's true. I actually, as you said, I was like, I don't think I've heard anyone say that. And I've talked to a lot of women throughout my career. I'm surrounded by a lot of successful women. I've never had anyone say it with their full chest, just casually saying, I like to be in charge. And that's what keeps me motivated. I think that that's fucking badass. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, (laughs) scary might be a bad word to use, but you know, there's so many times I'm put into these rooms, these meetings or these like morning lectures or, you know, like panels. And there's just men. Like there's not enough young women entrepreneurs in the business at all. And that also keeps me really, really motivated. I really hope I encourage other young women to like really go for their dream. There's not enough of us, honestly. 
we're seeing more women enter into the world of becoming entrepreneurs and to building their own businesses. I think that this was like, unfortunately, the byproduct of the pandemic and realizing that the world of work wasn't really built for us to thrive in. It's okay to want to be the boss. It's okay to want to take control of certain things, whether it be personally or professionally. I think that unfortunately, that's not something that we've been raised to believe in or to aspire to. I love that. So I have to ask, do you think you're successful? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that there are so many different versions of success for me. I get to do what I love. I get to work with my biggest passion. And that for me is success. Never having anxiety to go to work. That's the biggest luxury. I remember when I was younger, I've always had so much anxiety going into work and to not have that anymore and to get to work with what I love. That is just like, I'm so grateful. When did you first realize you were successful? I think it's in the small moments. Yeah, I think it's like in the small moments. Success is also failing and making mistakes and, you know, like dealing with that. I think that's just such a huge part of it. Oh, thank you for that reminder. I needed that. (laughs) It's true. It's true. How has your definition of success changed over the years? When I was younger, I felt like, you know, when you were thinking, well, you're 25, like, oh, I'll be married. I'll have kids. Like that's success when I was a teenager. You know what I mean? Throughout the years, I think success has been more like I get to do what I love. And no matter what that is, that's success for me. I don't think I really think about success in that way, which might be odd, but I think it's just been so like, go, go, go for me the last year since I started Jerf Avenue specifically. So I feel like I haven't really even had time to like pause and be like, what am I doing? What does this mean? Like, is this what success is for me? This will sound weird, but it's even like the first time hearing this word in such a long time. Yeah, I think that people have a hard time saying it or even talking about it. I think that people, generally speaking, want to be modest. It's weird, but I think that sometimes when we talk about being success, it almost feels like we're taking away from other people. For me, it's been realizing that we're all on our different timelines. Just because I'm not where that person is doesn't mean that my success isn't valuable or valid. It just means that this is me right now. That's that person right now. Like you can't compare because we're on completely different paths. I wanted to ask, I mean, your industry is highly competitive, right? And I think that there's a lot of folks that might be listening that have aspirations to start their own label one day or be a mega creator influencer one day, but feel like there's not enough space for them. There's always space for everybody as long as you do it with passion and you can tell that you're doing it with passion. Um, And I think that if you have a really strong vision and you don't even need to have a really strong vision, but if you know what you want to do and why you want to do it, do it. Don't care about that the space is crowded. It's so cliche, but like I really genuinely do think life is too short. I think that we need to try to do what makes us happy and what we're passionate about because life needs to feel good at the end of the day. And it's such a cliche answer and that's not a good answer. Um, But I wish there was a secret recipe to like how to start your business or how to take more space. It makes me reflect on a quote that I know I'm probably misquoting, but it's kind of like the difference between people that are, you know, quote unquote successful. Here I am feeling uncomfortable saying success. Funny. So the difference between someone that's successful and someone that is not, it's just doing it. And I think that one thing I read an article that was posted about you recently, where they kind of noted that you built a million dollar plus business without a business plan. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I've also done the same. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of women out there, a lot of people out there that have built 
multi-million dollar businesses without a business plan. Yeah. And I think that people overthink sometimes what they need to do to move things forward, right? Exactly. I think so as well. So what do you think was the recipe? In lieu of a business plan, what moved you forward? Well, I do like a lot of work to be able to finance Jerf Avenue. I took every single modeling job I could. I've always saved a lot of money ever since I started working when I was 15, because I've always known that, you know, I want to get away from this small town and I will need money to be able to do that. So a lot of hard work to save money, to be able to finance it. A lot of hard work to get it off the ground, you know, like shipping out the orders, making sure the website is working, getting photos of everything, customer service. Like we were doing literally everything. So just, I think us really wanting it so badly is why we were able to do it. Like I said before, like you really need to want it. You can't just say, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, but then not put in the work because it requires so much work. It really does. And I also think that like, you know, whenever I read articles or when I did a few years ago, they never told you how much work it is. They never told you how many sleepless nights you'll have. They never told you how insane it is. They just, you know, talked about the beautiful aspect of being your own boss and that it's fun, but it's so much hard work. It's so much work, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. And I think that hard work when it's aligned with your passion and with your interests and with your values doesn't really feel as hard, right? What makes it sometimes hard is the fact that you care about it so much. I've definitely done more challenging jobs than the one that I do now, but I feel like what made them challenging was the fact that I was working with people that made it really hard for me, or I was working in an environment that I wasn't necessarily totally aligned with. Okay, so I want to ask before we kind of get into our rapid fire, what is next for Matilda Durf? The things that I'm doing good, I want to do better. Um, I just want to improve. I want to improve your family, what we're doing. I love what we're doing, but you know, there's always room for improvement. I'm excited to, you know, meet people in real life more to communicate with and to connect with people in real life and not just through a screen. So I feel like 2023 is the year of connection. I love that. I definitely feel aligned with that. It's like you've built something that's amazing and now you're just improving on it and investing in it, right? I love that. Okay, so rapid fire. How many unread emails do you have in your inbox right now? Well, I have my angel, Rebecca, my right hand. So thanks to her, I actually don't have that many emails. But if you ask me how many like unread text messages I had, it'll be over a hundred. So I think that's like, that's my personality in a nutshell. What's the last thing you do before you go to bed? Oh, kiss my dog good goodbye. I was gonna say kiss my dog, kiss my dog good night <laughs> and hug my boyfriend good night. That's the last thing I do. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, that's a pretty somber way to fall asleep every night. <laughs> <laughs> Depressing. No, just like a little good night kiss. I love that. Okay. And what time do you typically wake up in the morning? Um, usually around six, five thirty to six. Okay. So when I was complaining about being <laughs> up for this podcast at 7 a.m., you were like, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, that's nothing. <laughs> We're like child's play. <laughs> so are you a morning or an evening person? Morning person, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. What time do you usually go to bed? It depends. Weekdays, it's like between 10 to 11. Honestly, weekends nowadays, it's like 11. Wow. I've been such a grandma lately. I think it's the darkness of Sweden that just like knocks me out. 
So that's it for now. Unfortunately, due to a technical issue, we lost the last three minutes of my conversation with Matilda, which included our Ask Girl Boss question and our goodbyes. Oops, shitty, I know, but these things happen. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying until the end of our conversation. I personally loved it and I hope it inspired you to chase your big dreams and own being in charge at work and beyond. I've loved seeing your positive reviews on this season so far. Keep them coming and tune in next week for another episode. This podcast is produced by Liz Cooper and Victoria Christie and edited by Diego Domine. Until next time, keep blooming.